Welcome to this week in Jacksonville Business Edition. So this podcast, we focus on economic development of the River City and really throughout our region. So today's topic is downtown and specifically the five block gateway transformation at uh, Union and Pearl. We've got several guests with us. So right now, full table of contributors, including one of our media partners, Karen Bruni Mathis, editor of the Jack's Daily Record. Lori Boyer is from Downtown Investment Authority. We've got Matthew Clark with us from uh, Collier's at Senior Director of Northeast Florida, and then Brian Mall, CEO of Gateway Jacks. And we're going to focus in this episode on Gateway Jacks, that five block, what do I call it, mega development uh, planned in the uh, north core of Jacksonville, Pearl Street District. Brian, explain right. this. This has generated a lot of excitement here, specifically in the last month <clears throat> or so. Yeah. Um, so actually, I'll take a, a quick step back and talk a little bit about our company, how we were formed, and, and sort of start with a, the bigger picture and then uh, dive into Pearl Street. So um, so about a year ago, or just over a year ago, Gateway Jacks was formed. It is a, um, a company that is backed by a couple different capital groups, JWB Capital out of Jacksonville um, and DLP Capital out of St. Augustine. Um, so those groups came together with, with different um, investors and investment funds behind them to start this company. Uh, and the company um, is backed by a $300 million equity fund uh, that, that's uh, comprised of those uh, investments by those two groups. Uh, over the last 18 plus or minus years, or, or months, sorry, um, the company has acquired about 22 acres on 20 city blocks, um, actively looking at new deals, but, but also pretty focused on with the real estate that we have uh, now, which is, has grown to um, total about $2 billion of, of total development when fully built out, uh, which we think will be over the span of like 10 years or so. Um, Pearl Street is the first phase of that build out, if you want to think of it like that. And, um, and when I say phases, I don't necessarily mean that phase two will start when we're completely done and wrapped up with phase one, but we are thinking of them as sort of distinct uh, developments in um, sort of small, uh, uh, small neighborhoods within the larger neighborhoods of, of downtown, smaller districts, I should say, of larger neighborhoods downtown. Pearl Street, um, uh, defined uh, as as we have talked about, and again, I know Lori and I were just chatting that that um, uh, that that what we what we're presenting to the to the DIA is is without one of these blocks, or the numbers are a little bit different. But of the five blocks um, that surround Pearl Street between Union Street and Church Street, um, we have about a five hundred million dollar project. So um, about a quarter of the total development will be part of this first phase. Uh, it will be three new multifamily buildings, um, a conversion of existing garage. A lot of people know the Lighthouse Garage downtown, and we're planning on doing retail at the bottom of that garage, so transforming the, the ground floor into an active use, um, which we'll be doing all along Pearl Street. And then one final site where um, right now we're, we're thinking that it could be a hotel, but we're uh, still determining that. And so that would be the, the fifth project, and we expect to make a a call on that site in the first quarter of next year. Yeah. So uh, a lot of this excitement was generated when in the month of September you held a news conference and kind of laid out here's what our plan is. Right. Um, Karen let me bring you in when we were started talking we started brainstorming what are the big topics in terms of economic development in our city you said hey this has got to be on your radar this is big why? 
This is big because you have a lot of private interest going into this. This is a part of town in kind of known as the North Core where there yeah. just has not been a lot of new development. There are a lot of vacant lots. As soon as we found out about the land assemblage, I went down and walked it and you have vacant parking lots and just vacant sites and it's not a part of town that gets a lot of attention. You drive through it when you're coming back from or you're coming through town, sure. you drive past it, you don't even think about it, you see the lighthouse garage. But typically when you think of downtown development, you're thinking of the riverfront, you're thinking of the urban core yeah. area and you're thinking of the stadium, not this part. And I think this part is going to be what we called a gateway into Jacksonville and it's it's going to I think change Jacksonville more than mm -hmm. we assume. Uh, Matthew I want to bring you in what, what's the Collier's connection to this uh, growth that we're talking about here? So we we handle the re retail merchandising for the project and we're involved in a lot of these different projects downtown but again what makes this project so special is the density that they've accumulated uh, similar to Avondale and San Marco uh, there will be just as much retail density and what makes it special is it's all controlled by, by one owner, right? So when you go to Avondale or you go to San Marco, there are multiple owners that control the street, whereas we can tell one consistent story uh, across the board. So it gives us a lot of, a lot of room to play in the sandbox. And uh, there's a lot of great retail that's really interested in these markets. Uh, but there's very little vacancy in Avondale, San Marco, Riverside. So they're starting to pivot to, to Gateway's project, which is nice to see. And, and Lori, uh, I, I saw you quoted as calling this absolutely essential to the downtown development vision. Why? And, and how does this happen, right? Because downtown's a big area, 3.9 square miles. And to Karen's point, this is a part of downtown that's significantly underdeveloped. And I really think that the way they're doing it, where they're focusing on multi-blocks that they've aggregated, makes it possible. I'm not sure that if you did one development mm -hmm. in this area right now, you could be successful because you'd be an island. And the aggregation of property, I think I called it catalytic at their groundbreaking because it is that real connection that we've been missing between Central Civic Core and FSCJ, the Emerald Trail is gonna go through here. There are a lot of links, but State and Union have been a barrier. And this side of downtown, particularly where First Baptist had assembled a yeah. lot of property that wasn't active every day of the week, it was only active certain days of the week, became kind of this dark space that there wasn't enough activity to generate real urban environment. And that's what we're going to see now. How, how important is it, uh, and this is maybe a specific example, that a large uh, property owner, land owner in downtown, in this case First Baptist Church, is willing to say, okay, we'll sell off some of this because this seems like that was maybe a barrier to some of the growth that we'd wanted to see in, in downtown and throughout Jacksonville. Certainly facilitated the transition. I mean, it would have been much harder had they not done that, although some of this property heading toward La Villa, as Karen mentioned, there still are individually owned parking lots, surface lots, things like that, that could have been assembled, but First Baptist decision a few years ago yeah. to downsize their campus and make some of their property available really kind of opened the door to this. Yeah. So, Brian, take us back to uh, how you got to the place where you said, hmm, that's a place we want to invest time and resources. Why do we think that developing in this part, this uh, north core of Jacksonville, is going to be success? 
Um, <clears throat> well, let's let's start with the location, um, and I can tell you how we, how we got to it. But um, uh, you know, I'd mentioned when when I had first started that we hired a fantastic team. I mean, Collier's is a great example of um, best minds in real estate, as as we you know humbly like to think. We've got a a really fantastic team both at Gateway Jacks and our partners. Um, that are that are helping us uh, bring this to fruition, and when we brought everyone together, we had already had a number of sites that had been assembled, and we looked at the real estate, um, and we really coalesced on this location for a few reasons. Uh, number one, um, there is critical mass in this in this location, critical scale. So, um, you know, I think one of the two biggest opportunities. There are a lot of opportunities downtown. Two of the biggest opportunities are residential. There is demand for residential. It's been demonstrated in other projects in Brooklyn, for example. Um, and we know that, that there is, um, from our own studies that we've done internally, and from in, in part leaning on other markets where we've seen this happen, including Tampa, where I, where I was involved in the Water Street project, um, we, we, um, we know that there is demand and probably a significant amount of pent-up demand for residential downtown. But really, in order to be able to get people to move to a certain location downtown, you have to be able to provide amenities and services that people are going to expect in, in their everyday lives. Um, this location provided us the ability to do that. And we can, working with the Collier's team, bring in retail anchors, um, you know, full-service uh, fitness, grocery, um, and then also provide sort of the, the, the fun parts of life with, you know, entertainment and, and food and beverage, restaurants, um, and then all the day-to-day -day services that you, that you might need, um, getting your hair cut, um, uh, that type of thing. So, uh, so that explains one of the reasons was the scale that we could do this here. But the location, it, it, it does sort of feel today in part because it's all parking lots, um, that it's, you know, that it is detached from the core, the energy of downtown, but it's really not that far. Um, it's a, a less than a 10 minute walk to the water. Um, and then it's in, almost immediately adjacent to James Weldon Johnson Park and City Hall. I, I'm looking at a, a map here that I saw and, and the big radius here is a five minute walk to all of these yeah. things. La Villa School of the Arts uh, just to the west. It's just north of the courthouse right. really is inside that circle. Uh, just west of where First Baptist Church is and like you mentioned, James Weldon Park. So yeah, if you're walking, and what I read, Brian, is that Gateway Jack says we prioritize principles of walkability, sustainability, connectivity, all of that. It seems like that you, your group identified this as, hmm, it can be all of those things, right? Yeah, and, and again, the, the location immediately adjacent to, um, to, to a lot of projects that are planned or proposed or under construction to the core of downtown allowed us to do this. It would have been, um, it would have been more of a stretch if this were uh, you know, not immediately adjacent to that from that very purpose, that when people are walking around downtown, they're walking to work, hopefully walking or biking from, from a residential unit in one of these projects, they feel like it's part of the urban core. And, um, you know, what, what has happened over the years is part of, um, uh, you know, sort of what, we're, what we've called sort of the disin disinvestment in downtown is that um, over time, a lot of historic buildings were demolished and you started to have these gaps in the urban fabric. Um, and, you know, I mentioned it at the, the, the event in September. We really feel like this project is stitching back together 
some of those neighborhoods that had been, um, you know, in some ways, literally and figuratively torn apart from the urban core. Yeah. Karen, we've both been journalists in town for a bit. You've been here a little bit longer than I have. Is this something that is different than the efforts that we've seen over the years that say, oh, we got to the blueprint phase, or we got a nice uh, picture <laughs> of it, but it, never saw it come up out of the ground. Well, there really seems to be a lot of momentum with this project. Uh, you've got the money, you have the people, you have the desire, you have the city involved, the Downtown Investment Authority. So, and, and then you've so much energy. And I do think that you are going to see this project take shape just as planned because we've seen a lot of projects stop and start but I think the point with that is they're individual little projects and not little necessarily but individual projects that may or may not have had the, the, the momentum but this is a big project if you look at Brooklyn for example in Riverside as Brooklyn especially you see it started and you had apartments and then more apartments, and then retail, and then more retail, and then more apartments, and then more retail. And now it's, it's an incredibly different area than when I started at the Florida Times Union, which is now going to be a, a huge apartment project yeah. with a Whole Foods. So things really change, but you have to get that momentum started. And I think this is the start of a lot of momentum in that part of town. And, and Matthew, I wanted to ask you this. I mean, so you guys lead the real estate team. You're leasing the, uh, the project to commercial tenants. Uh, is there an appetite for this? Do you see this as, yes, uh, we'll go in and when this development happens, we'll be right there because people will want it? A hundred percent. I think what surprised us is the amount of activity on the front end. Uh, and again, I, it lends itself to, you know, a couple of building blocks. I mean, now that we do have Whole Foods less than a quarter mile away, a lot of retailers pick up on that and a lot of retail follows retail. Uh, you've got the Four Seasons that's going vertical. So when you do talk to these groups, uh, they're, they really pay attention. They're like, what's going on in Jacksonville? Uh, you know, and then we get them involved in the project and, and talk about, you know, the success of the surrounding markets. And it, it really lends itself, uh, again, to being uh, the perfect storm, the amount of density to really create a neighborhood uh, and with neighborhood amenities. And uh, I'm excited. I mean, we're having active conversations with grocers, uh, full service gyms, uh, food and beverage, entertainment uses. Uh, pinch me. I've been doing this for quite a while, right? And, uh, you know, again, to see my calendar filled up with active conversations with just groups that I don't think anybody in Jacksonville would believe we're speaking to uh, is really, really exciting. Yeah, Lori Boyer, uh, the, the DIA, the Downtown Investment Authority component of this, um, how does this process work? And um, what are the things that the city of Jacksonville would do to help uh, encourage growth or development like this for a project? So I'm gonna take a step back because I think part of what you're hearing here is things that we've been doing for the last five or eight years have laid the foundation for this. And that's, that's part of why we are where we are now. So the fact that we already have 7,600 residents downtown, we started at two. Um, set that goal is 10,000, right? Right, well, and we're kind of moving the goal line now and saying the goal is 15. Yeah. But, I mean, where we are is, is a significant both demonstration of the demand for residential downtown and the fact that it can be absorbed, and so that makes it more appealing to someone to invest in a larger scale project because they've already got proof 
that, that there is an interest. And in the same way you've seen, as Karen mentioned, you've seen what's happened in Brooklyn. And Brooklyn is largely filled in, but there's other interest in other developments coming there, building on that. Same thing on South Bank, you've seen that. And so now I think downtown is ripe for another catalytic area, you know, to bite off another section that's growing toward the center and be able to provide all of those services within that neighborhood, if you will. So yeah, I, I was yeah, just Brian. gonna, the one thing I would just also add, would be remiss if we didn't, um, if we didn't talk about all the really fantastic public spaces that are being built around the river mm -hmm. too. And the fact that, that a lot of those are now getting fully funded, you've got the Emerald Trail, uh, um, uh, riverfront plaza. Um, it, there, there's so much in uh, and, and full design on some of the other parks. There's so much progress that when you can, when you have retailers, um, uh, you know, eventually, you know, lenders in this deal, when you can point to those things and say, look, it's not just private development, it's also public, of, uh, public investment uh, that's being put forth into these spaces, that means a lot, that goes a long way. I, you know, when we, when we were working on the project in Tampa, having um, the, the river walk completed, having the investment that was done there, that went, that went a really long way in getting our capital partners there to invest in such a large project. And when you know that you've got the city's backing, you know that you have that public and private investment, um, you know, that's, that's, that's when you know everyone's rowing in the same direction. So when we first met with Brian's team probably a year ago, it's year and a half, um, in the charrette, I mean, one of the conversations was the zoning changes we had made downtown. The master plan, which included the public spaces and the two-way street restorations and all of these different elements and how they fit together, which really probably took us halfway down the road yeah. of where you wanted to go, and then you could pick up from that point. Yeah, that's so. right. Yeah, it, it, again, it, um, having, there are a lot of other municipalities um, where they, you know, they do not have the infrastructure in place from the city, from the city's perspective of a group like the DIA, um, which has, you know, um, uh, which has been a, a great partner in all of this, and, um, but that really has helped a lot. Having, having the fact that there's you know, one group, a lot of different groups within the city, but one group that's sort of overseeing, has downtown in mind as its principal uh, priority, that helps us a lot to not have to do that heavy work. That's already been done. Any uh, stumbling blocks that you see, any uh, barriers that you see that, uh, ooh, we gotta get over that hurdle before, or do you feel like, hey, we're right there and it's gonna happen as we envision? Uh, look, we're, we're moving forward and, and quickly on these projects. Um, we're hopeful that we're going to be able to, to go to the DIA uh, board in November um, on an incentive package. And uh, from there, um, we're off to the races. We think we'll start construction, uh, assuming that timeline in the, at the end of the second quarter next year, beginning of the third quarter. Um, and you know, probably a couple of years to 24 to 30 months from there will be will be complete. It's, so it, it's interesting here talking about oh, this is going fast for so many of us. <laughs> like the the longest project I ever had was well, I had to wait nine months for my house to be built, or you know, something like that. Yeah. And these projects they take a lot longer, don't they? Yeah. And I, I'll you know I would note that a challenge, um, you know, I, a challenge certainly is the economic environment that we're in. Um, you know, it is, it's, it's um, harder to get construction financing. Uh, costs are not coming down. I think 
we'd all love it if they did, but the cost to build these buildings, um, you know, are, are remaining uh, frustratingly stagnant. But I think what separates us from a lot of others is that we have this equity fund. So um, as the, you know, as things change in the debt markets, we're able to adapt uh, better than those that may not have, um, you know, that luxury. You know, the, the correlation there is higher interest rates. Uh, it's just a trickle down on how yeah. much someone's able to borrow from the bank, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I mean, um, kind of at a high level, as interest rates rise, um, you know, that, that generally puts more pressure on the project to put in more equity, um, you know, kind of a, in a, a long story short. And so that, you know, it, again, that's, that's not great. That's not what we want to be doing. Um, we certainly wish the debt markets were, uh, were you know, um, more, you know, I guess, frothy at this point and the rates were lower. I'm sure we all wish that, but, um, but this is the environment we're in. We've um, been in this environment for a while. We've been anticipating uh, the worst case scenario so that we can ride out the storm and uh, we feel confident we'll be able to move forward. So uh, maybe a final, I want to hear from each of you as, uh, before we wrap up, but uh, my final thoughts there. And boy, this time we were just talking about Brooklyn. So look what happened out of Brooklyn. Uh, does that kind of a project encourage others to develop? So with what we're talking about specifically here, Pearl Street and, and the Gateway Jacks project, Will that inspire other developments to happen? How do you feel about growth downtown, economic development there, based on this project? A hundred percent. I mean, I think uh, there's been great one-off projects that have gotten through the pipeline, uh, but nothing will have the impact like Gateway will have uh, really to, I think, instill not only on developers outside of Jacksonville, local developers, but I, I think really the people of Jacksonville give them something to be proud of uh, with downtown. And I think that's something that we've been kind of missing for, for a little while. So I think this will really give us the catalytic project uh, that will make us all proud to, to have a, an amazing downtown. Karen, what do you think? Do you see this as a catalyst also? Well, I do, and I also see it as a catalyst in other parts of the city, specifically Arlington, because this is right across the river from Arlington, and Arlington is really trying to work now to rejuvenate and renovate and you know the renew Arlington push and so I think as you're driving through downtown and you see what's happened in Gateway you keep going into Arlington and you might start to see a little bit more there I know that's outside of downtown mm -hmm. but it's close it's two or three miles yeah, yeah. Lori Boyer how are you feeling about uh, what's happening in downtown and this will this project uh, encourage other growth there? no question um, I think it's most likely to encourage other growth along State and Union, in La Villa, and in Cathedral, because those are areas where everybody's been, it felt a little higher risk, um, where this will make it much more comfortable to invest in those areas if they don't already have all the property. But um, in the meantime, I think the other part of what Brian said, though, that's, that's really critical for it is we've got to do our part on the public infrastructure at the same time, because that's part of the package that the investors in this project and the investors in other projects are looking to. And if we are building out the uh, two-way street conversions, the riverfront parks, the Emerald Trail link on Hogan Street and along McCoy's Creek and Hogan's Creek, those together, projects like this and that public infrastructure will really make a difference downtown. And Brian, what's your thought here? Obviously, you're pretty enthusiastic about what can happen. Yeah. Uh, do you see your project uh, lifting 
lifting other boats on this high tide here. Yeah, and and I th first of all, I think you just you you nailed it there. We're we're one of a, a lot of really positive things that are happening downtown, both on the the private and the public side. And um, I've always been a big believer that rising tides lift all boats. And I honestly I could not um, agree more with that statement when we're talking about downtown right now. And notwithstanding the you know some of the challenges that we were just talking about. Um, I do, I, you know, I, I deeply and honestly believe that we're at a tipping point uh, downtown, and, and it's because of a lot of uh, the things that have been done before us, and, and we have been set up, I think, um, uh, for success to really help with those other projects in, um, you know, in transforming downtown, and certainly in the part of, of the downtown we're invested in. I appreciate that. Brian Mall from uh, Gateway Jacks, Lori Borier, uh, Downtown Investment Authority, Matthew Clark from Colliers, and Karen Bruni Mathis, editor of the Jacks Daily Record. Thank you. I appreciate uh, spending the time. And uh, we got to go deep here. Uh, I certainly learned a lot from it. And we're constantly working to bring you more interviews like this focused on economic growth in our region. So thank you for joining us for this week in Jacksonville Business Edition.